Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord. I'm, you may be seated. I am glad to be part of a spirit-filled church. <laughs> I said I'm glad to be a part of a spirit-filled church today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What a privilege and honor to be in the house of the Lord today on this very special occasion. Uh, I, I say thank you to Brother Rayleigh for this opportunity today. Um, and I want to move as quickly as I can with out impugning the word of God, but let me just say what a privilege that we have. I, 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 we're blessed. We're blessed. And very respectfully I say that sometimes I think we take for granted how blessed we are. I understand all across this country and all across this world today they are there are pastors that stand in a pulpit who are I'm, I'm not discounting or discontinuing the anointing of God that's on their life uh, but there are a lot of pastors that stands in a pulpit today that are not called to that congregation they're fulfilling a position thank God I have a shepherd that was called to hatch an apostolic church to lead us and guide us praise God if you would go with me to the book of Luke chapter 15 and while you're finding that um, at the conclusion of this service as you know we'll be gathering in the dining hall to celebrate uh, Pastor Appreciation Day and when I I'll refer to Pastor several times today no doubt in this message and when I do I hope you know I'm including you sister boy you know it's an old cliche that there's a good woman behind every man but I see her standing beside him not to discredit but to support him and there is an obvious obvious absence when you're not with us and we thank you for all that you do for all that you do today at the conclusion when we meet in the annex if you would please allow the the clergy and the clergy staff uh, to be served first I know this is pastor appreciation and everybody wants the opportunity to speak so if we could allow them to eat first that includes brother Rayleigh brother Gibson if you would allow them to eat first go through the line and that way they can spend time with you today um, let me run this disclaimer this morning my views are not pastor's views so if I say something today that uh that might rub or scratch don't take it out on him Luke 15, everybody have that? Stand to your feet and let's honor the reading of the word of the Lord. Luke 15 and 1, familiar passage of scripture. 
And I'm going to read several scriptures because I want to lay a platform today. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is the lost? And he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing, and when he cometh to the house, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it? And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends or neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country, there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen in that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he come to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father. And I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I understand today that it is customary on this particular day or this particular month to preach or to speak from the platform of what a great man of God we have that leads us. And I'm not, we could all pass the mic around and everybody could talk till the sun went down. And everybody would have something wonderful to say about Brother and Sister Boyd. But if I may today, I'm going to take a, just a different approach to this. And I want to kind of paint a picture for us through his eyes. Not, and that's why I say his views are not my views. So I, I'm, I'm, it's going to be a difficult task and I'm going to need some help. But I just want to preach to us from this title, In Search of the One. In Search of the One. Father, I love you. I'm so thankful for the privilege to be in this place. Thankful for the Word of God. I'm thankful for the presence of God that we have already felt. I'm asking that presence to continually pour itself out upon us, touch our hearts, touch our minds, help us to hear the Word of God. Lord, not just hear, to be doers of the Word. In the mighty name of Jesus and the whole house said amen. Before you're seated, turn to your neighbor. Now, you're going to have the impulse to tell two or three things. But turn to your neighbor and just say one good thing about Pastor and First Lady. Praise God. I thought some of you wasn't going to have nothing good to say. Luke 15 is 
unique and it's telling of the parables. Some historians place this chapter no more than 20 or 30 minutes of a span of time in Jesus' life. However, it stands out against many other moments when Jesus speaks because the entire exchange is just simply stories, parables, stories to respond to the religious, uh, the religious folks and their anger that is kindled towards uh, the people. His willingness to spend time with people that they thought were less deserving, less desirable, and that they thought was less needy than them. Jesus, as was his pattern, answers their anger and their accusations with stories designed to pull them into the plot and to get them to examine and adjust their own attitude. And that's why I make no mistake about it, when the Spirit of God is moving and the Holy Ghost is moving, it inclines us to look at ourselves in the mirror and examine. In Jesus' ministry, his three-plus years on this earth, that was his intent, to change the lives of people and to get them to examine their own selves. By this time, uh, in this story, a lot of men and women of, of very doubtful reputation, I'm sure, were hanging around Jesus, listening to him intently. The Pharisees and the religious scholars, they were not pleased uh, at all, and they had murmured and growled and complained and said, he takes sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. And they grumbled, and that's what triggered this story. That's what prompted Jesus to say, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and, and go after the lost one until you found it? And when found, you could be sure that you would put it across your shoulders rejoicing. And when you come home, you're going to call everybody, all your friends, and tell them, come celebrate with me. The Word of God says there's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than 99 good people in need of no rescue. And what Jesus is talking about in this text is leaving the 99 to seek and find the one that is strayed. A true shepherd knows his sheep by name. And as shepherd or pastor, his burden is for the whole hundred. So when, when one is lost, he's, he's got to go after the one. The parable we read, the owner has these hundred sheep and, and they all belong to him. And you have to understand in the context that Jesus is speaking, the, the, the shepherd, these are his sheep. This is his property. And he has the authority. He has the right to leave the 99 and go after the one. The parable we read, the owner, they, they all belong to him. And because of that, he must search for the one until it's found. Now herein, herein lies the great danger. And the shepherd knows that this danger is there. And he has sought God and he has prayed and he hopes that he has done his job today because the shepherd knows that he's got to leave the 99. He's got to go search for the one. And his prayer is that the 99 will stay grounded. His prayer is that the 99 will stay where, they're, where, they're, where they've been put at. They'll stay in the valley and they'll, they'll continue to feed and not wonder and, and stay till he gets back with the one because you see sheep are, sheep are some of the most ignorant creatures that God ever created. They're prone to wonder. There are stories of sheep feeding and continue to feed right off the edge of the cliff to their peril. The shepherd knows this, and he runs a great risk leaving to go search for the one. But this search is so important. He, he, he loves them so much. This cannot be left up to 
uh, not disrespectfully, but this can't be left up to an assistant. This can't be left up to a deacon. This can't be left up to a helper. It's the shepherd that's got to go search for the one. It's his burden. That's why as sheep, it is so vital that we as a church stay grounded while the search is on for the one by the shepherd. You know, if you've been around here very long at all, you've heard pastor talk many times about the shallow end of a pool and how it's, uh, how it's necessary to have that shallow end because there are bruised and wounded people that need a place just to rest, a place to not have to tread water, a place not have to, to, to feel the waves rush over their head. But the danger the danger, as he often makes comment about, is of the shallow end is that there needs to be some people to stay in the deep end. There needs to be some grounded saints, some seasoned saints, some saints that won't peer over the fence and say, well, they've got it easier down there in the shallow end and I've been treading water for a long time. Maybe it'd be just a lot easier to swim up to the shallow end and play around. And when, when that takes place, or when that transpires, we, we don't understand I don't want to say we don't, how many people, don't raise your hand, but how many people's ever had a tremendous burden for one individual? I'm, I'm talking about a real burden. I'm talking about a burden that keeps you up at night and you can't sleep. I'm talking about a burden that distracts you from work. I'm talking about a burden that everything you do that consumes you. In the last few weeks, maybe perhaps a month, and I, I, this is just an illustration and it's all I have that comes to mind, so this is not for pity. But I have not been able to sleep very much. I've had some nightmares and some dreams and just God continually dealing with me about an individual. The other day there was an accident on 349 and I just happened to be close by the, the, the particular vehicle in the accident. It's a, it's a long story, but he come up behind a deputy and I at high rates of speed. And when he reached the end of 27, he didn't stop. And he went off the end. And uh, as I got there, the deputy was there, and I, I knew him by name, and I seen him go down in the ditch, and I hollered, if he, do you need some help? He said, come on, Jerry. We got to the individual. He was surrounded by airbags. The airbags had deployed from everywhere. And, and so we was trying to cut the airbags out of the way to get to the man. And I, I know this sounds strange, and I told my wife that night, I said, I, I don't understand the things that go on in my mind sometimes because as I peeled back and I took my pocket knife and I was cutting back the, uh, the deployed airbag and there was an elderly gentleman and there was blood everywhere. He had had a severe, severe injury to his head and, and you couldn't really see or make out his face. But at that point in time, the image of the person that God has been dealing with me was... It was his face. He was there. And I'm trying to talk to this man and get him to respond. And I see that face looking back at me. And I said, God, why would you, at this point in time, why would you, why would you do that to me? I'm going to be honest. Why would you do that to me, God? And that burden that weighs on us, I want you to, Think with me this morning, and I want you to multiply that by a hundred plus. You have no idea. I have no idea the hours that he lays on his face 
with a burden for more than we can ever imagine. God dealing with him continually through the night, through the day, and that burden burning, not, not just for one. Not just to carry the one back or to find the one lost, but for everyone, the value is equal. That's why it's so important. This is free and I'll stay close in case I get out on a limb and it begins to break and you just cough. It is so important that we understand on church days there are some things that I have no business putting in his mind. He's been on his face before God since the wee hours of the morning and at 9.45 I want to run up here and say you know what she did to me yesterday? She hit me across the back with a putter because I beat her on a hole. Now I know we're laughing but when God is guiding and he's directing and he's, he's channeling, he has no idea who's going to walk through them doors. There are, there are seasons in his life when he says, God, this message doesn't fit for today. And then somebody comes in that needs a divine word from God and it's important. Now understand me today. I know there are situations and I know there are tragedies and there are deaths that absolutely. But we need to keep in mind the importance when he's in search for the one, by all means, there are some things that, that, that can wait and we, we, we can address as a later date. That, that was free and tuck that back away somewhere and hang on to it. Luke 15 and 4 said, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and, and go after that which is lost? There's some intentional persistence with this search. He's searching for one and he won't give up until he finds it. The numerical value does not matter to the shepherd. It doesn't matter if it's 100 to 1 or 10 to 1 or 2 to 1. It's divine love that the shepherd displays for the one. You are that one today. Everybody say, I am the one. We are the one. The shepherd has a difficult task in the search for the one because there's always going to be some publicans and some Pharisees in the crowd to murmur against him. The pastor is always going to have some naysayers that are behind him saying, why are you spending so much time with them? What, 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 are you, what are you always off with them for? Because see, we're not shepherds and we can't understand and we can't comprehend, but we are all equally important to him. There, there's no one face in the crowd. The shepherd looks at the flock and he knows the 100. He knows when the one is missing. The word of God said, imagine, and I'm paraphrasing, a woman who has ten coins and loses one and she won't light a lamp and scour the house looking in every nook and every cranny until she finds it. And when she finds it, be sure she'll call her friends and neighbors and, and the angels celebrate every time one lost soul. Then he said there was a man who had two sons, the younger his father, and he said, Father, I want what's mine now. So the father divided the property between them and it wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and he left there undisciplined and dissipated. He wasted everything that his father had given him. He was so hungry he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop. But they wouldn't even give him that. And that brought him to his senses and said, I'll return to my father because he's got farm hands that's eating three meals a day. And here I am starving to death. 
The son's return home was driven by his poverty, poverty because you see, the verse 20 tells us in Luke 15 and 20, and he arose and came to his father, but when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The father's son was wretched in appearance. He could see from a long ways off how dirty this individual was. He could see from a long ways off the filth that surrounded him. But see the father, the father in his love and his affection, he runs. He runs to the son to fall on him and kiss him. In the Bible you'll find that the the word kiss makes reference for great affection or reconciliation. See, sometimes in our immaturity when uh, someone comes into the house of the Lord, we want to clean them all up and wipe them all down and get them all pretty and proper and prim. And that's not our job. Let the shepherd, let the Holy Ghost lead and guide. The father didn't wait till he was all cleaned up before he loved on him. The father was... He wasn't mad because he'd been gone so long. No, no, no. He said, my son has come home. There are two traits or attitudes that I want to draw our attention to that these three parables reveal to us about a shepherd and his quest in searching for the one. And I believe that these two traits can be applied to our life just as he's made them applicable to his. It is striking to me that one thing that remains the same in each story is the sense of awareness. It doesn't matter the level of prosperity or the the affluence to reach. The main character in each story is aware of the lost. The first story makes the obvious by the the 100 sheep, but, but he notices that one is gone. Now, I don't know if you know how a difficult task that would be to, to notice that one was gone out of a hundred. But I, I know I got 37 heifers behind the house and two bulls. About every other day, to create a habit, I drive out into the field and I call them. And I'll spread out some checkers because I, I want them to come when I want them to come. And there's a few that stand out to me because they're my particular favorites, but for the most part, if one of them's off in the back and don't come, I, I, I really can't tell it unless I take time to count. But you see the shepherd. The shepherd, when he looks on to the flock, he, he knows, he knows the one is gone. Jesus, Jesus makes it clear. It doesn't matter if it's 100 or 10 or 2, he makes it clear that the 99 that are left, when, when the one isn't acceptable to be missing. He shows us that as if it's 1% or 100% or 50, loss, any loss is not acceptable. It shouldn't be acceptable to us that over half our family is lost. Young people, it shouldn't be acceptable to you that you're one of the few in the school that live this way of life. It shouldn't be acceptable to me that there's men on my job that are lost. In fact, notice that in all three accounts, the focus and the emphasis shifts away from those that are saved and it's on those that are lost. And we struggle with that because we tend to put the focus on the saved. 
please don't be offended this morning, but if we spend as half as much time on trying to reach lost people as we did trying to keep people saved, we'd have to build a house ten times this size to contain everyone. Jesus calls us to remain decidedly aware and focused on the ones that are lost. The second trait above awareness is urgency. The shepherd takes risk all the others to find the ones that is lost. He leaves the 99 exposed and vulnerable. And the woman tears her house up and is relentless in the pursuit of the coin. The father daily looks for and, and waits for the return until he sees the son returning. He gets the loss. Urgency, desperation, awareness, willing to go great lengths to find. Jesus reveals not only the heart of a shepherd or a father or a pastor, but at the same time, Jesus calls all of us to have this type of attitude. As our musicians come, I'm going to read this morning. A, I know I run the risk of losing a lot of people with this, but it was just very intriguing to me. I want to read you a story. Uh, in 1863, Congress had passed an act uh, to present medals to men who had achieved great feats in war and this particular story that I'm reading occurs in 1945. And it just simply says this, and this, is from, this comes from President Harry Truman who wrote this. And uh, he says, This is awarded the Medal of Honor, the Bronze Star, the American Campaign Medal, the Philippian Liberation Medal, the Purple Heart, the Asiatic Pacific Campaign Medal, the Army Presidential Unit Citation Medal, the Army Conduct Medal, and the World War II Victory Medal, and the Meritus Unit Commendation Medal to Private First Class Desmond T. Doss for service as set forth in the following. And keep in mind while you hear this, Desmond Doss refused to carry a weapon, and he refused to kill an enemy because of his personal beliefs. So he consequently became a medic. Private Doss, United States Army Medical Detachment in Okinawa Islands, April 29th, 1945. These events occurred through May 21st. He was a company aid man when the 1st Battalion assaulted a jagged escarpment 400 feet high and as our troops gained the summit, a heavy concentration of artillery, mortar, and machine gun fire crashed into them, inflicting approximately 75 casualties and driving the others back. Private First Class Doss refused to seek cover and remained in the fire-swept area with many stricken. He carried them one by one to the edge of the escarpment and lowered them down on a rope supported to friendly friends on the ground. On May 2nd, he exposed himself to heavy rifle and mortar fire and rescuing and wounded more than 200, more than 20 men 200 yards away from the lines on that same escarpment. Two days later, he treated four men who had been cut down while assaulting a strongly defended cave, advancing through a shower of grenades to within eight yards of the enemy line in the cave's mouth, where he dressed his comrades' wounds before making four separate trips under fire to evacuate them safely. On May 5th, he unhesitatingly braved enemy shelling and small arms fire to assist an artillery officer. He applied bandages. He moved his patient to a spot that offered protection from small arms fire while artillery and mortar shells fell close by, and then he painstakingly administered plasma. 
Later that day, when an American was severely wounded by fire from a cave, private first-class dolls crawled to him where he had fallen 25 feet off a cliff from the position, and he rendered aid. He then carried him 100 yards on his back to safety while continually exposed to enemy fire. On the 21st of May, in a night attack and on high ground near Shirai, he remained in exposed territory while the west of his company took cover fearlessly risking the chance that he would be mistaken for an infiltrating Japanese and given aid to injured until he himself was seriously wounded in the legs by the explosion of a grenade. Rather than call for aid, he cared for his own injuries and waited for over five hours before two men and the stretcher bearers reached him and started carrying him to cover. The trio was called an enemy attack. And so... Private First Class Dahl seen a more critically wounded man crawled off the gurney and waited while they carried him. Awaiting the, litter, awaiting the bearers to return, he was again struck, this time suffering a compound fracture of one arm. With magnificent fortitude, he bound a rifle stock to his shattered arm as a splint and then crawled five, 300 yards over rough terrain to an aid station. Through his outstanding bravery and unflinching determination in the face of desperately dangerous condition, private first class saved the lives of many soldiers. One of his last conversations before his passing, Desmond Doss was asked, what was it that kept you going? Was it the praise that you was seeking? I said, no. It had to have been the accolades or the pat on the back so they're out of boys that she was after and Dawes humbly replied no the interviewer said was it the medals it had to have been the medals look at them laying here all that you've accomplished he said no at that time I knew nothing of any medals he said well Mr. Dawes what was it why did you continually go back for each one Desmond Dahl said, I just kept telling myself that I have to save as many as I can. And I've got to keep going back till there's no one left. So in light of the three parables and the two traits and knowing the tremendous burden that rests upon their shoulders, I'm going to ask you today, what kind of sheep are we willing to become? Do we become wandering sheep? Complaining sheep, helpless sheep, or do we become one of those sheep in the flock that always has his eyes and his ears toward the shepherd and stand ready for his commands? There's a story of three shepherds as we stand across this house. Three shepherds has three separate flocks in a valley. A tremendous storm come upon them and the thunder and the lightning begin to crash and the sheep scared run into a cave. Three separate flocks run into the same cave. One by one, each shepherd individually stood at the cave and called his sheep out. And the sheep of that shepherd would come out and they could move to the side. So I ask us as a church today, if we are truly a church where lives are changed, 
then who is your one more? When is the last time you pulled someone to safety? I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for everyone in the house that is saved. But are we even aware of the lost? Are we satisfied with the 99? Are we content with what's in the house? Are we urgent about the rescue of those who are still under enemy fire, who are facing death and destruction? When has the cry for one more come from our heart? Too many of us are comfortable. We've become timid, distracted, and so self-centered that we no longer are aware of those that are around us that are being wounded and killed. And I say there's a clarion call from Jesus Christ himself today to say that we must get on track. We must value the one. We must love souls more than our own safety. So in closing today, as our praise team comes, who is your one more? Have we become so content with our savedness that we no longer ask for what matters most? Our daily devotions turn into cries for favor and protection and provisions. But when is the last time we've spent hours on our face before God crying for a soul? As you lift your hands across this house, I remind you today that there are lost sheep, lost coins, and lost sons. And we've been sent to rescue, ladies and gentlemen. Make an altar where you stand, or these altars are open. But I hear the clarion call of the voice of God saying we got to continue to search for the one. It's the one that I'm looking for. It's not the 99, but I'm in search of the one. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.